0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Mitch Light of The Athletic will join us today as we will talk Vanderbilt baseball. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, Vanderbilt baseball was the news in much of college baseball over the weekend. Kumar Rocker strikes out 14 in Vanderbilt's 3-2 win over South Carolina Friday night. And Jack Leiter one-ups him on Saturday with a no-hitter that was almost a perfect game. Leiter walked the leadoff batter of the game and then retired the rest in order. The Commodores win that one by a score of 5-0. Tate Colwick hits two home runs in that. Vanderbilt begins the week as the number one team in college baseball according to D1 Baseball, which, in my opinion, is probably the best of all the rankings. That said, the Commodores did lose Game 3 to South Carolina by a 6-5 score on Sunday. Mitch Light appears on the guest line today. That was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Each of us spends about one-third of our life in bed, which makes that time important. And so how you sleep determines a lot of the rest of your day. You've heard the talk for years about how much my wife and I love our Bowling Branch Sheets. But do you know why? Well, I look forward to getting in bed every night and getting between my Bowling Branch Sheets, which right now I appreciate more than ever. Our floors are being refinished. so We've been staying at other places that don't have Bowling Branch Sheets. And my goodness, I have missed them because those feel absolutely amazing. You think you can't tell the difference, but trust me, you can. They are made with 100% organic cotton that is rain-fed and picked by hand. It's the best cotton on earth. That's why Bowling Branch sheets feel amazing. They get softer with every wash and will last you a lifetime. But don't just take my word for it. Give it a try yourself. You can try them free for a month and return them if you don't like them, which, trust me, you will not do. Anyway, go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Mitch Light from The Athletic joins us today. Mitch, it is a fun time of the year. I, I hope your sports weekend was ex- as excited as you had anticipated. I think based on what happened with Vanderbilt Baseball and what happened with the NCAA tournament, I, I don't think uh, that was a letdown.
1: Yeah, no, good, good, definitely good weekend of uh, college basketball. Uh, still, you know, today we're recording this Monday, and Kind of it's the normal Sunday of the college basketball tournament because of the everything pushed back a day. And then obviously, um, uh, you know, it, fun Vanderbilt game to watch on Saturday, uh, Friday, Friday night as well. Um, uh, you know, just everything. A, lot, a lot's a lot been said. I don't, I don't know how much we can add to it. Just the uh, dominant pitching and um, just it was one of those where I like I think I said last week when I'm watching something else against like the basketball tournament. I'll have that on the big screen and I'll put the baseball game on my uh, computer. And I guess the baseball game started about 20 minutes before the NCAA games. And it was moving along and Jack was pitching well. And I forgot what the first game uh, of the day was in the NCAA tournament, but um, uh, it wasn't that exciting. So I just, just kept the, uh, the, the baseball game on the big screen the whole time and it was uh, definitely
0: fun to watch. Did you think Jack Leiter was going to pitch a complete game? Uh, because with the yeah. pitch count at 90 after six, I just thought, man, this kid's pitching a whale of a game, but I just don't think he'll get there.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. And obviously got more efficient. And it is one of the, you know, I there's different attitudes on pitch counts and everyone's body is different. And I don't know if there's any, you know, there's there's evidence that on both sides you could find evidence that, you know, what what's the, the, the number of pitches that's too many but I think that's one of the true dilemmas in college baseball is when you got a performance like that, uh, do you, do you, you let a kid go? Um, like what if he walked a guy in the ninth and that adds another five to seven pitches, you know, Kumar was different in the instead uh, of a tournament two years ago. Cause that was a regional game and, you know, much more at stake, but you know jack was clearly looked comfortable out there was still throwing the ball hard didn't look fatigued and all that and um but to specifically answer your point no i mean that's why i was just my son was in and out and watching i was just like yeah it's no hitter but there's there's no no way he's gonna make it the whole whole way but uh definitely like i said definitely got more efficient down the stretch and got some you know they actually hit a couple balls hard but on
0: first or second pitches and that definitely helped him. Yeah, the seventh helped him because he's at 90 leaving the sixth, and then he's at 100 leaving the seventh. First one was a line out, and then he gets a couple of strikeouts. And see, the thing was, I think from the, the seventh inning on, he only went to one three-ball count, and that was to start the ninth. So it's like the the thing that he needed to do was get more pitch efficient, and the thing that he also needed to do is he just wasn't locating the breaking balls or the secondary pitches And it's just like he made that adjustment where he's like, okay, I'm going to have to get through this with fastballs. And maybe sometimes that means letting the ball get put into play because they know it's coming. And and look, anytime you throw a no-hitter, there's an element of luck involved, right? Uh, But that's exactly how it panned out. I just felt like that had to be the blueprint for things, and that's that's how it resolved.
1: Yep, yep, no doubt about it. I mean, baseball is definitely – talk about talk about it a lot you know it, the ball's got to bounce your right way the right way to win a lot of games and to, to something like that you know I think it's a line out to Isaiah Thomas and he was in the eighth or the ninth and um you know that that's what's so that was what's so impressive about uh Rocker's game too last two years ago it's like I don't remember many if any balls hit hard um but um, yeah, I mean, just uh, the 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 crazy thing was, like you mentioned, and he mentioned after the game, is like he was having trouble throwing one of his main pitches for a strike, and was just uh, blowing people by with the fastball. So, um, you know, there, there's only so many things we can say about the those two guys, the Friday night, the Friday and Saturday starters, and and how good they've been, and they just haven't been good. It's been nearly unhittable.
0: I don't know if you saw this from TV. Of course, I was in the stands. The best hit ball of the game was the one that Jonah Seitler hit in the first, and Bradfield caught that ball almost right in front of the 375 sign in left center, if I remember. I Sometimes I will look at the outfielders between pitches to see where they're playing. I didn't happen to look at that one in that case, but Bradfield, it seemed to me like he ran an awful long way to, to get that ball, which, again, I said a no-hitter involves some luck. You get a center fielder that's not Enrique Bradfield Jr., and maybe that's a little different. But I don't know how far he ran to make that catch. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. But I think that's the play. And when when those happen like in no-hitters, nobody's thinking about a no-hitter being preserved in the first inning like they are in the seventh or the eighth. But that's one that I think if that happens at a different point in the game, we're probably talking about that one a little bit more afterwards.
1: Yeah, good point. I don't. Rem- I remember vaguely. Again, watched a lot of baseball. Watched a lot of sports over the weekend. Um, but I, you know, I I've, now that I'm piecing it together, I think you know you're looking back after a no hitter, which was one of the best pitching performances we've, we've seen. Like, okay, first inning, he walked a guy and gave up a deep shot to the 370 mark. Not, not, not a great start there. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, it w- was a great outing. But uh, yeah, Bradfield has. You know, to your point on that specific play, but also Bradfield has shown he, he plays the plays shallow and can cover a ton of ground.
0: Well, and the thing that made that impressive is Seitler's a left handed hitter. So now sometimes how they line up changes pitch by pitch. Sometimes maybe they even tip off what they're going to throw. Um, you know, with, with a certain count, the center fielder may be in one spot, uh, you know, in, in a pitch later, in an advantageous count to the pitcher. You know, maybe he's 15 feet over in another spot. And that's why I qualify this by saying I I didn't check that particular pitch to know where he was, but it seemed like he ran a long way, and particularly to catch that in the left center gap against a guy who is a left handed hitter. And by the way, you're number three hitter, so he's not some slap guy, uh, which is something that stood out. But, you know, the other thing, too, is that game maybe takes on a different turn because. It shifted like when you're late in that game. How many times have we seen a game where pitchers just cruising along, right? And and then he he gives up a no hitter. You know, it, it gets a a dink single or something like that, and it just kind of starts to fall apart. And all of a sudden, you go from maybe up two to nothing to you're down three two in the blink of an eye. Not only have you lost your no hitter, you've lost the game. I thought when Tate Cole hit that two home run home run, what in the in the seventh or the eighth. Uh, that was, and by the way, I'm looking, it it was the eight. Uh, that really, I, I think, took a lot of the pressure off him. I know, by the way, they had another one in that inning. So instead of going into the night, just worrying about the no-hitter um, and, and also trying to win, suddenly you're up 5 nothing instead of 2 nothing. And I think that was an underrated element of the game, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically you take – basically take losing off the table i mean of course you can lose you know you can give up six runs in the ninth inning but when it's two nothing going to the top of the ninth you're you got a guy trying to get a no hitter but you also like you said you you will know, bloop in a blast or a walk a hit batter and then you're, you're in a world of trouble there so yeah when you get up five nothing then, then jack can just really you know i'm sure his mentality doesn't change but i think just the thing you kind of focus on just winning the game there and i mean this isn't a great comparison but sort of like yesterday's game you're talking about vanderbilt was cruising schultz was was it through 2 or through 3 was just great and then boom boom home run home run and it kind of fell apart not again not the best example track record's not there but uh uh things can change very quickly
0: the title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number 1 in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality, so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Yeah, I want to get back to Schultz in a minute. But where does this rank for you in terms of incredible performances? I'll tell you my answer after I hear yours, but I mean, in terms of how long you watch watched Vanderbilt and all the sports that you've watched, where do you rate what Jack Leiter did?
1: Uh, so just Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt baseball, Vanderbilt sports.
0: Vanderbilt sports, period.
1: That's, um, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, it was great. Uh, the fact that it was a regular season game, Again, for a great team, like it wasn't a football win that was unexpected, and or just a win over Tennessee or go to a bowl game, you know, like that was a better individual performance than let's say Vanderbilt beating Tennessee to go to a bowl game under Derek Mason. Uh, so it's just like where do you rate those on your on, on people's scales? I don't know. You've obviously thought about it longer <laughs> since you asked the question. Um, it was really really cool, but to me, like the Kumar Rocker game because of what was at, at stake. It doesn't approach that.
0: Like, you try to think of guys who have the most control over a game, right? Like, a a, a basketball player who's having a dominating performance, there's only 10 guys on the floor. So, one guy's going to have an inordinate amount of control in a basketball game. In football, it's harder to do because there's 22 guys on the field at once. Now, a quarterback, I think, has disproportionate influence over the outcome of games compared to the other guys. So... Then you go to baseball, right? And and there's 18 guys, or, or there's 10 guys on the field at once generally. And the pitcher is the guy who dictates the game. Like, you, you will see this all the time. Um, I'll give you this as an example. LSU gives up 22 to Oral Roberts earlier in the year, and I think shuts them out the next day. Because I believe Landon Marceau pitched really well. So, a pitcher has influence over a baseball game, I think, in a way that no other player has in any of the sports. So I think... To me, everything else being equal, you give a pitching performance um, the benefit of the doubt, uh, and one like that, I, I think it takes it another level. So to me, my list of games is those two games. It's Rocker and Lighter, and as great as, as Lighter's was, I give the edge to Rocker because that came in an elimination game in postseason. She so yeah, had a whole couple layers to things on top of it there that didn't exist for lighter. And again, that's beyond Jack's control, nothing against him. But I'm with you. I think Kumar Rockers was the best that I've ever seen just based on those circumstances.
1: Yeah, I mean, more. I thought about it a little more. I'd probably go Rocker 1, Shane Foster 2, um, and then maybe lighter 3. Um, again, it's, it's difficult to debate um, because sports are so different. Like Aaron Westlake's performance was great. But were the two additional home runs needed to win the game? No, you know, they, they won that was like 11 to two, whatever the score of that game was. doesn't take away from his individual performance, but as far as factoring in the, the clutchness and stuff like that. So um, it just I mean, not that you ever expect anything great to happen or expect anything out of the ordinary, but it was just sort of a random, you know, 11 a.m. game uh, on a. On a Quiet Saturday morning. It just it just didn't seem like the 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 planets were aligned for something real like that to happen. If that makes any sense.
0: No, no, it didn't. And uh, to me, I, I think it's it's Rocker Lighter Foster and Foster had what forty points that game, thirty nine, whatever, forty two. Okay, Mitch, you make a good point because look, there's not a ton at stake. In that game, I mean, if Vanderbilt wins, a conference game is always important and it got them to sweep. But with Shane Foster's, that was senior night, you know, that, that probably cost him a seed in the NCAA tournament, which didn't end up going well. But the point is, you couldn't know it at that point. There was a lot more at stake, I think, when Shane Foster had his great game than there was for Jack Leiter and Vanderbilt on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Again, you mentioned senior night and at the end of the year. That, that was a good team. We thought it was a really good team. Like you mentioned, didn't win a t- tournament game, um, but you're you're playing for seeding, and that's a good win. Hey, who knows? You lose that game, maybe they're a five seed and they play a different team and they win that game. So maybe Shane Foster costs them a deep run there with you know forty two points. But uh, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I just again uh, the, the stakes a little bit higher. Both memorable performances. Um, and you know just uh you know, that was the last time Shane played a game at Memorial gym, so that's something he'll
0: always remember too. are we worried about Sundays from a pitching perspective now
1: uh it's all relative I mean we are talking, I'm sure don't know if you've seen you know d one baseball move Vanderbilt up to number one in the country, which was a little bit surprising, I guess, but you know Arkansas went two and two last week, so it's all relative um would it be better if they you know Schultz had pitched two two great games in the last two weekends sure of course so i mean I, I sure there there's there's some concern but um i think they'll solidify that spot whether it's Schultz whether it's they start Ethan Smith or Laboki there's enough good arms there um so it just it's hard to sweep for whatever reason you know just it just it's just you know college baseball SEC game especially it's just Teams are good, and give South Carolina all the credit. When it's four nothing there, I guarantee you, 99% of South Carolina fans expected to get swept. with the game with the way the series started. So um, again, my my response would be not ideal, but big picture, not really that big of a deal. Because if they keep getting such good pitching from Friday and Saturday, they're going to win some of those Sunday games. They might not get, you know, it might not be shut down pitching, but uh, they're still going to win some of those games.
0: Yeah, I did not realize be, uh, that they had been elevated to number one. I think it's deserved. I think they are the best team in the league, although I think Florida is starting to play a little better ball, and I think that's going to get interesting. But, yeah, I mean, with Schultz, goodness gracious, anytime you've got a 24-2 to strikeout-to-walk ratio, which I think is what it is, although they haven't updated their stats on the site, um, and so I'm working for some old stats here, but... Uh, I think his control is good enough. His thing is he just gives up a couple of really hard hit balls. Uh, yesterday he gives up a couple of home runs. I'm not ready to throw Thomas Schultz out yet. I would like to see, and if you're going to replace him, I'd like to see Ethan Smith throw better, which I think he can. Sam Laboke, um has not shown a put-away pitch maybe as much lately. Look, we're quibbling because you do this against the backdrop of what Rocker and Leiter have done, and that, that sort of – cast an unfair shadow on the rest but i am a little interested to see how this resolves because i do think they have enough pieces there that they'll find one i just question whether he's the right one right now
1: yeah i've got updated stats here variable um it, you know 16 innings 16 hits uh only two walks 20 strikeouts um yeah it's just like and, and again i make this point all the time it's like that they, they see these guys all the time they they obviously have a a hierarchy or food chain, whatever you want to call it. Um, And Schultz was clearly the guy that they liked third uh, to, to start there. And um, it's just a lot of good candidates. And um, you know, if Christian little continues to, you know, he looked a lot, he looked really, really good Tuesday. Is he candidate later in the year? Do they keep him, do they keep him midweek? So again, I, I think they'll get it sorted out. This team has won championships with, you know, without really, Sometimes a solid number three guy or or, uh, throughout the year, changing that third guy up and and not necessarily knowing what you're going to get from that third guy. So it's, again, one SEC series. I know it's two series against really good teams now um, that that you would have liked him to pitch well. But I I would I would think he'll here's an interesting thing I was just thinking about. I didn't realize Vanderbilt played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Do you think there's a chance they would start someone Thursday or maybe go like a staff game against Missouri, kind of create, treat it almost like a midweek game, not like not a shot at Missouri or diminishing the importance of the game, and then keep rocker and lighter on Friday, Saturday for two reasons, keep them on their normal, and since they both threw a lot of pitches
0: last week, you think that's a possibility? I had not thought about that. I think that's a great point. I think Tim doesn't like to jerk guys around early, uh, just out of confidence reasons. And I'm not saying that's wrong, right? I mean, he knows his team better than I do. Case in point, you didn't see Enrique Bradfield going to the leadoff spot until yesterday, and that's, what, 18 games into the season? So Tim's nature is to let things play out. Like you saw Patrick Raby last year really have trouble getting into the fifth and sixth innings and with walks and all the things we talked about two years ago. But you saw him play out in the rotation, I think, through the last weekend of SEC play. So that's, that's Tim's nature, and it takes on a different level when you're dealing with juniors and seniors, and Schultz is only a sophomore. But, yes, it does kind of give you cover uh, to try something a little different, and you can use a justification uh, that isn't, we weren't happy with the way this guy was pitching, so we tried someone else.
1: Yeah. Uh, who do you think it would be Thursday? Uh, he probably threw too many pitches to come back on Thursday.
0: You know, I, I think it's Laboki. I don't think it's Little, because that's a tough spot to put a kid in, Uh, throwing in his home state in a conference weekend to start the weekend. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe he does it for that justification. Maybe he wants to let the kid pitch in front of his parents, but that's a lot of pressure at that point. Although, if you're going to do it against somebody, uh, Missouri clearly is a distant 14 of the 14 teams in this league, so maybe that's the spot. My guess is it's either Laboki or Ethan Smith, and my guess is if they do it, it's Laboki because he has started once this year and Ethan hasn't started at all yet. But I don't know. That could be something to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll find out. I would assume Little will pitch Tuesday. Um, but, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, I, I assume it's just it's a TV, um, TV situation there, but I actually just looked uh, venerable Venable to send out an email. And I saw the schedule Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I hadn't even thought about that this series could potentially be a, uh, an early one. So, yeah, it's definitely a storyline to watch.
0: Maybe the wild card in this could be – well, there's two. Chris McElwain, who I don't think would be the guy because they seem to like him You know, in those maybe fifth, sixth innings situations where you need a guy who could go three or four innings. I guess you could say the same about Ethan Smith, too. The the other one would be Patrick Riley, maybe.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting.
0: I don't think uh, he'll throw a freshman in that spot, but I'm just trying to think of all the possibilities. My gut is if Fisher? they decide to do it, it's LeBo No, I I just don't think Fisher has – gosh, he's made four appearances. He's gone one inning every time. I mean, maybe yeah. he could, but I just – to me, I, I, I would think there's four or five guys you do that with yeah, before probably. Fisher.
1: Yeah, probably. Um yeah, it's, uh, or Tim might just go with Rocker Thursday, you know, and just and keep the rotation the same. So I guess we'll, we'll find out soon enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a spot where if you're going to do something different, I think this is the perfect opportunity to do it because of opponent and because of, of situation. But yeah, I mean, I think they'll figure it out. I mean, I'm thinking of it this way, too. Just about every team he's had has had some issue at this point with pitching. I mean, the exception might have been 2011 where they had maybe the best one to three in terms of what they get from the three, Uh, and and that year it was Taylor Hill, right, who ended up making the majors, although Taylor Hill didn't really turn it on to the last three or four weekends of SEC play. He took it to a different level. You know, even the 2007 team, you had Cody Crowell and Nick Christianity who were very, I hate to say inconsistent, but they were kind of ordinary in those spots, especially as compared to Minor and Price on the weekends. That lineup had some holes, too. But I think if you say 18 games into the season, I don't know. You you could probably argue this team has as few holes as any that Tim's had.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if they win that game yesterday— just a few things different will happen. I mean, South Carolina deserve to win, whatever. I'm not making excuses. They win that game and they're number one in the country. We're talking about, you know, how many superheroes are we throwing at this team? You know, the lineup, this and all that uh, CJ Rodriguez hitting Colwick, two home runs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's, 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 it's ba- I hate this phrase, but it's baseball. You're going to, you're going to lose some games there, but I I, I agree. I think, especially if Keegan, you know, obviously played Sunday, but if he comes back and starts hitting again, Carter young hit the ball. Great against, uh, Oklahoma state did not have a good weekend, but he's kind of a, I'd put him in the known quantity right now. Isaiah Thomas is actually, you know, leading the team in average. Keegan, Keegan has a higher average, but the way they, there's their stats come out as far as, you know, uh, a number of at bats, Isaiah is actually listed as the leading hitter. Um, Keegan doesn't quite qualify, I guess, but, um, yeah, I, there's still a ton to like about this team, and th- there's a lot of baseball left to be played to sort out that bullpen hierarchy, and we see that all the time with Tim Corbin teams. It takes them sometimes two-thirds, three-quarters of a season before they, you, you figure things out. Even that 2011 team that's so deep, that pitching staff, by the end of the year, they, they really had a short bullpen.
0: I think had the pitching not been what it was, we'd be talking about that lineup a lot more. That that's a really good hitting team, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's early, but I sense this is a very, very good, if not outstanding, lineup.
1: Yeah, striking out. I mean, I think there's some pretty good South Carolina pitchers. Struck out a lot over the weekend, but that's not always a bad thing. Um, yeah, I just I think we've seen enough from every guy, and Jason Gonzalez has been a great you know, I think a surprise this year and, you know, he almost hit one out, hit a triple uh, Bradfield's hit the ball hard. Yeah. I mean, you just go up and down and it's, there's just a lot to like about it. And it's sort of like you kind of have confidence in anybody up there. There's no, you know, I, I think they mentioned it on the broadcast Saturday. I know you were at the game, but you know, the, the bottom, of so who would have been eight, nine, well, Colwick was batting seventh, I think. What, what, but yeah, about um, Gonzalez is still hitting
0: ninth, and then see, I can't remember. I think Davis was hit glad, eighth.
1: Was it Colwick seven, Bradfield eight, or whatever? The bottom of the lineup that the, on the broadcast, Kyle Peterson was talking about how good the bottom was.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Mitch. They've got seven of their regulars have got an on base percentage of 397 or higher. The two that have it, one's Colwick who's leading the team with five home runs and slugging 633, and, and by the way, blistering the ball even when he's hitting into outs. The other one is Cooper Davis, who's down at 320 in terms of on base. That's 100 points below his career average, and totally understandable, right? I mean, Cooper gets hit in the face, misses a couple of weeks. I just think he's going through a, a tough spell right now where I don't really recognize him as a hitter, but you've got to keep him in there and, and let him play his way out of it. He's earned it. I think he'll turn around and when you get him going on another gear, then you can go potentially at the top of the order, Bradfield and Davis. Those are two elite on base guys. You got a lot of guys who can knock the ball out of the park. You got Depp with the Jones and a Romero. Romero didn't even play this weekend. He's shown some things. Uh, they pinch at Troy Laneve Saturday. I think on a lot of other teams, this kid will be an everyday outfielder. I just look at them. And not only do I like what I see that they're putting out there, but as they've already shown, they lost the guy who was their best hitter and didn't really skip a beat. And, man, their margin for error, really, on the pitching and the offensive end, you'd be hard-pressed finding a team in the country that's got more of that. And I think that's something we don't talk about sometimes uh, because you don't – it's not something that comes into play until you need it.
1: Yeah, I mean again, I agree with all that you said. Even on a loss yesterday I scored five
0: runs. It wasn't like a two nothing game. And were you there yesterday? No, I had to, to pick family okay. up from the airport. So I actually missed the middle innings kind of the, the, okay. the bad part was, for them.
1: Yeah, I was listening on the radio um for I was out doing some stuff and after Gonzalez hit a triple The next play, I think it was uh, Bradfield hit a line drive to the outfield, and and Brooks Webb was sitting in with Kevin Ingram on the radio. And I think it was pretty shallow, but with one out, they were both surprised, and Brooks said surprised that Gonzalez did not tag. And the ball, the throw hit the mound and went up. He would have scored there, and that ended up obviously being a big run there. So I, I was wondering if you were there and saw what happened. It sounds like you weren't.
0: No, there was some talk about it on our board. I think it was kind of a mental error from Gonzalez, which, if I had to pick one flaw with this team, it's that you will occasionally see some things on the base paths. And some of that is, I'm okay with because Tim Corbin is really aggressive. But if I had one flaw to pick with this team, uh, it's occasionally stuff like that. You see some gaffes at third base on the field uh, from both the third baseman. Uh, you've seen a lot of guys picked off. I mean, boy, it, it's unfair. When, when your team is, is so outstanding, uh, it, it kind of makes the flaws pop off the page anymore. But if I had one bone to pick with this team, it's little things like that. And again, it, it happens probably with every team. But but the bar for this one is so high. Um, that's that's kind of where we're left. And, and like it... You know, I, I guess you could say those are things that they need to straighten out between now and June because that's something that could cost you in a postseason game, but but we're really reaching for things if we go there.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, like you said, Tim's teams have been very aggressive and that's gonna happen. I remember mean, it was the 2018 team, especially in that Mississippi State series, they had a, kept getting guys thrown out at, at third base, um, you know, just being a little too aggressive there. So um you, you gotta take the good with the bad there. And, you know, it sounded like from Brooks explaining it that it wasn't one of those high fly balls where he could go back and, and, and tag and watch it as sort of a line drive. So he went and went back and just never quite got his footing, and that's what it sounded like there. So, uh, again, at the, at the time, I'm thinking not a big deal. It's 5-2, um, but obviously, like I said, it ended up being a huge run.
0: One other thing that jumps off, they've had 10 guys who've hit home runs. My goodness, they're slugging 544 as a team. That's
1: loud. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think I said this point last week, it's like you don't need a lot of guys who hit 10 to 15 home runs. You want a bunch of guys, I mean, obviously you do, but having a bunch of guys in that, you know, 5 to 10 range just basically can hit one out at any time. You're not surprised when they do. That really adds depth to the lineup. Um, so, yeah, again, there's a lot of guys who who hit the ball hard and you're not surprised when they hit the ball hard. I mean, you just think the middle infield, you got nine home runs out of the middle infield. I know it's not... 1980s baseball when you got Ozzy Smith at shortstop and, I don't know, random second baseman who hits 220. Um, but still, that's a lot of home runs out of your middle infield.
0: Yeah, the, the other thing that sort of stood out, the Max Romero-C.J. Rodriguez thing was something I was kind of keeping an eye on to start the season. And for a while, it looked like you, you might see Romero take that job Rodriguez wasn't hitting the ball with a lot of authority, was striking out a little bit at the start of the season, which was uncharacteristic. But that kid has really started to mash the ball. He gets a home run on Sunday. I think his defense has been really good. Both of those guys are really controlling the running game. Again, when your pitching is so bright, that tends to obscure a lot of things. But I think what they've been getting out of the catching position lately has been a real plus for them.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And That was the first time C.J. had caught uh, lighter I believe this, this year and I guess it's because he hit the ball well Friday night and even on the um, I forgot what inning it was, it might have been the eighth uh, Rodriguez had a perfect throw down to Colwick and would have got the guy but the ball came out of Colwick's glove that was uh, you know, as good a throw as you're going to see there so yeah, I mean, complete confidence in the catching uh,
0: By the way, it was a little off on the stats they've now had 11 guys hit home runs and a 533 slug and again I was working off the old sheet but I, I found the new one but yeah I mean the other guy Tate colwick had quite a weekend uh and that's two weekends in a row and gets really high quality pitching that he's really shown some pop uh, again you know its it's a luxury when you have a seven hole guy that that pops up um and by the way he's played airless ball too so that's another kid um that, that is really making a case is is an elite player and I was kinda of, kind of pairing in my head the 2019 team to the 2021 team lineup wise. And I like the 2019 team and it's going to be hard to budge off that because you had maybe the best two hitters in college baseball and Austin Martin and JJ Bleday. But, but I think right now, uh, as much as I like Harrison rain, the things that he did, I think that they've maybe upgraded at second, uh, given the way Colwick's playing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair to say
0: you, you, you,
1: I was going to say lose a little leadership, but they're both juniors. <laughs> but Ray had played more to that point of his career, hadn't been an everyday starter, but definitely had played. Uh, but Colwick is is again for, I don't know, not being a natural second baseman, has played almost flawlessly at the position. He's got well, no errors, and uh, turned the, you know, has been good with, um, um, uh, turned double plays and um, with Carter Young and uh, obviously the pop in his bat. So yeah, there's just. We've talked about a lot about this. It's just really solidified the lineup almost earlier than any other Tim Corbin team. Um, you know, they got some situations with with um, you know the DH and and um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But uh, with you know Keegan going out, that leaving a spot there. But really, things are, are are very solidified with this lineup, and they have been almost since day one.
0: Yeah, how do you resolve the DH? Uh, because Right now, Rodriguez seems to be the catcher that they like. Um, again, that could change because Romero's really good. You, you got Jones, who I think is going to have a role because he's a lefty. Uh, but so is Nolan, right? And and I don't know what you do at third. That determines DH. That that might mean if if Gonzalez keeps third, uh, then then Nolan is you know getting the left-handed DH at bats, and Jones is the guy who loses out. But Romero's also a lefty. Um you know probably the answer is somebody gets hurt at some point or, or or different somebody's take turn take turns getting hurt and it resolves that way but for the life of me oh and, and Jack Bolger has hit the ball yeah. fairly well like i i don't know what you do with dh and i'm not saying it in a bad way it's a, it's a great problem to have but to me that's kind of the thing i'm watching is like if you had to ask me right now how do you handicap the dh at bats the rest of the year I mean, to me, that's the hardest question to answer. I, I don't know that I could give you a guess uh, that's going to end up being really accurate. I, I think what I would do is just kind of split the difference and, and maybe go um, <laughs> give 25% of the at-bats each to to, to Nolan Jones. Oh, although Nolan has started all 18 games, so it seems like he's the guy that's got an edge there. They, they seem to want his bat in the lineup no matter what, but my goodness – trying to decipher where that one's going is tough
1: yeah you know, got a guy like jones who obviously has a ton of ability and they like and was it baseball america actually i him second team preseason all american um and he hasn't looked great at the plate coming off he hasn't played much so do you keep trying to work him in give him opportunities against right-handed pitching um so again a, a lot of options um like you, you know maybe an injury makes the decisions easier there um but um yeah seems like there's about 11 quality players, twelve. well, there's more than that, but 11 or 12 guys for nine spots.
0: Okay, here's how I'm thinking about it. I think if Nolan has started all 18 games, he's clearly in their top nine. Fair enough? Yes. I think this is what I do. I think I give Nolan a rest on Tuesdays and let Jones and Bolger battle it out in terms of Who's gonna Who's gonna get the DH at bats? So in other words, if it's a lefty, you probably start Bulger. If it's a righty, you probably start Jones. That way, you get those guys time. Jones, I think, is a good hitter. I, I think his at bats have been better than the stats, which he's he's hitting one thirty three. Uh, that's his on base percentage. He's slugging two hundred. Spencer Jones, I've watched almost all of his at bats. He's a better hitter than that. And, and of course, the experts would tell you the same and then maybe you give Romero um a weekend start or a weekday start to where you keep him fresh I think this is something that can resolve uh but my guess with Nolan not coming out maybe you see something like that
1: yeah I mean that that makes sense there's earlier a couple of weeks ago I was surprised one game when uh maybe it was Oklahoma State the second game there was a righty pitching I thought we'd see Nolan I mean uh, I thought we'd see Jones as the lefty DH. And it was, it was Nolan. I mean, sorry, it was Bolger. So I thought they might settle into that kind of platoon right there. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out soon enough, I guess.
0: Well, the other thing is Cooper Davis, and that's a delicate thing to handle. Obviously you need him to hit better than he has. And I think he will, but sometimes it's a very fine line of knowing you know, when do you take a guy out just to give him a rest and take some pressure off? And, and when does that maybe increase the pressure? Maybe with some guys you, you take them out, um, it, it does what you want it to, but the, a different guy, you take them out and that wrecks his confidence. That's the other thing, and I, I don't have the answer there, but but maybe Davis and left where you've seen Bolger get some at-bats is a way some of this resolves is maybe against a particular matchup, especially with them one being a lefty, one being a righty. Maybe that's the way some of this resolves too.
1: Yeah, I mean, did it with Isaiah Thomas for one game, and then I think he went in for defensive purposes there. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. But uh, you know, I think like we, we know Corbin has uh, supreme confidence in Cooper Davis there. So uh, my guess is he will stay in the lineup, but um, every game, unless it just unless he consistently you know is hitting two twenty late in the year, but we'll uh, uh, we don't think that's going to happen.
0: Well, and for Thomas, that seemed to be the thing that worked with him. Again, everybody's different, but you bring up a good point there. Anything else on baseball before we hit the NCAA tournament for just a moment?
1: Uh, No, I think we we touched it all.
0: Uh, Well, what are your thoughts on the NCAA tournament? I mean, it's, goodness gracious, it's been a fascinating event so far.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> just a lot of – a lot of a lot of great games, a lot of upsets. Uh, I was uh, crushed my home state Rutgers. I was uh, not. I wouldn't call myself a Rutgers fan, but I always wished them well. And, and you know, it's a great story with what they've done. Almost would have made the tournament too last year, and kind of blew it last night. But uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot a lot of really good games and a lot of upsets, which you know I, I haven't seen any stats about if it's more than usual. Um, but uh, I think it's been I think it's been a great tournament so far.
0: Man, Florida and Tennessee really blew opportunities.
1: Well, Florida blew it because they just – they had the lead and they controlled the game. I didn't watch it I, – I think that was on the same time as Rutgers. I didn't watch a ton of that game. Tennessee just got beat. I mean, they got down early and, and – um, you know, never were really in it. I know they cut it to 12 with about the four minute mark, but Florida's the one that should be kicking itself again. Oh, they,
0: Florida had a path to the Sweet 16 on a platter, and they just didn't use Trey Mann for reasons I don't get.
1: Yeah, and it's that's a weird relationship there with Florida fans and Mike White. Like, he is, they've been just good enough for, you know, for him to have a nice record, a nice track record, but he's just. You know, it's hard to follow Billy Donovan, who obviously went two national championships, beloved and all that stuff. So um, but he uh, he's not the most uh, beloved there, but I, I wouldn't call him anywhere on the hot seat there. It's just again, he does just enough um, to stay above that hot seat at, at a program now that you know, Florida basketball is not what Florida football is in, in importance there, but they expect to win big there and he's just not doing it enough. I'm
0: trying to look up Billy Donovan as we speak, because Donovan didn't start out like a house on fire his first few years in fact I'd I'd forgotten it had been this long Donovan had kind of the same thing going on for a while where Florida would get to the tournament records in the regular season maybe were a little bit better but they really weren't doing much he didn't get he didn't win his first championship to what year 10
1: I I mean do you have it in front of you?
0: year 9 yeah I do I was just trying to count yeah no, year 10, and then he wins back-to-back. The year before, okay, here, here's what he does. First two years, they don't go to the NCAs; They go to the NIT. Then he makes Sweet 16. Uh, I'd forgotten they were runners-up in 99-2000. Then second round, first round, second round, first round, second round, then back-to-back titles. So sometimes these paths take a little bit of a different way. I've always felt that Mike White was a good coach, but I did watch some things last night that didn't add up to me.
1: Yeah, you know, again, blew it last night. And um, I guess was it the year South Carolina went to the Final Four, had a good team, but South Florida was probably a better overall roster that year. And they lost to South Carolina to get to the Final Four there. And I, I just. Um, just, it's interesting. Again, there's no no way he's on the hot seat right now, but um it's just it it's a it's
0: a strange marriage there. Let's go into the mailbag. Our mailbag is sponsored by independent insurance agent Josh Minton. He's my agent. Hope you'll make mirrors. Find him at Josh at HQ dot com. These are things we've hit on, but I'll just leave it to you to wrap up some loose ends. Dorkin wants to know. Uh this is and all these are regarding baseball. What are these teams' weaknesses? Or what is this team's weakness, I guess, is what he actually said. Um
1: It's all relative. Like we say, it is the number one team in the country. I right now I'd say solidifying that third starter. Um I, I would say maybe they strike out a little bit too much. Um but um I I still have supreme confidence in the bullpen and um so number one, I don't know if you agree. I, I think it's just solidifying that third starter again. It could be Thomas Schultz. Some of his, his numbers are still good. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens this week, but, um, not a lot of weaknesses with this team.
0: Okay. This one from Mr. Vandy. This will be the easiest question you ever get. How would you rate Jack Leiter's first sec start compared to some other pitches, pitchers making their first sec starts? It's the best one ever. <laughs> yes. Enough said, uh, GLH4VU again touched on this. Do we have a true Sunday starter, or do they just really need to start going starter by committee?
1: I don't think. I mean, I don't think you want to go by committee necessarily. You know, there's def, you can debate what that means. I think they want to find someone, and um, I think they they probably still think it can and will be Schultz at some point. You got to try some other guys, so. Um, Again, it, it, it's much better that we're talking about this after the first SEC game and not the series, not the seventh or eighth series where they're still trying to find someone. You know, I'd love to look in the crystal ball and find out where, where this, this rotation is in six, in six weeks. Uh, my guess is they'll have a guy that they feel really good about.
0: Yeah, if Schultz keeps the ball in the park, he'll be fine.
1: Yeah, again, doesn't walk, which is, you know, a, 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 for, for a hard throwing college pitcher, that's a great uh, quality to have.
0: All right, Mitch, we're done with the mailbag. Any parting thoughts?
1: None. We covered everything to possibly cover in the world of sports, Chris.
0: I, I believe we did. We, we always yeah. do. We always find a way.
1: Yes, yeah, very complete. Yes.
0: Yes. I mean, we, we, do, we do a great job of just finding a way and powering through.
1: Exactly. Always.
0: <laughs> always. All right, Mitch, I'm going to give you the floor to promote anything at The Athletic, to give out your Twitter handle, um, anything else you'd like to announce.
1: Yeah, uh, at Mitch Light and um, trying to think nothing imminent right now at The Athletic. We're, we'll have some uh, – I, I know Joe will go out there and do some spring football stuff, and um, he's going to do some baseball. I'm Joe Rexford, he'll do some baseball stuff in a little bit here once NCAA tournament's over. So uh, but that's at Com and keep promoting this. Um, hopefully a lot of people read it, and we've got a dollar a month offer right now. If you haven't read his story on Clark Lee, Barton Simmons, and Earl Bennett, it's at
0: theathletic.com. All right, and one final one. When the NCAA tournament is finished, your winner is who?
1: Um, well, it was Illinois, and I don't think they're still playing, so they can't win it. Um, I, I guess I'll be boring and say Gonzaga right now since they, you know, they, we'll find out they're playing here in a little bit, I think. Um, they, they looked dominant, and they probably got the best roster.
0: Yeah, I had Illinois losing to Gonzaga in the title game, so don't feel too bad. Um, yeah, yeah, it's I, better I, than year. I, I picked Michigan State to win it all, and they got I, beaten in the first round. So
1: I, Illinois beating Gonzaga. So
0: God, what a the NCAA should have seeded this thing better. There's no way Illinois Chicago should have been playing Illinois in the second round.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I've seen good arguments for both of that. It's easy to say now, um, but they, you know, they had they had a couple bad losses. I think didn't beat anyone I, again. I, I'd have to. Everything's in context there, and, and and who are they better than? I mean, as a team, they're probably better than some people. I, I just I think sometimes that's an easy thing to pick at after the fact.
0: Well, you, you may be right. They didn't have a lot of great wins. I mean, they were 10 in Ken Palm in an eight yes. seed, and that's that's hard to resolve. But Ken yes, Palm's not is. the authority on everything either. So,
1: Col- Colgate had a, like a top 10 net as well. And, yeah, you know they they proved to be a good team, but lost. You know they lost their first round game to Arkansas.
0: All right, Mitch, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you again next week. All right, Chris, take care. He's Mitch Light. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vanity Sports Podcast.